Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're revisiting all those amazing reality shows that unfortunately only had one season. Join us today as we delve deeper into Filthy Rich Cattle Drive. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. Now, I don't have any Twitter house cleaning today. Um, I do have a scotch bit of the new uh, e-show. I'm still enjoying it. Okay. Uh, I will continue watching it. There's not enough happening on it for me to live tweet, so I gave that up. Um, but unfortunately, my favorite character quit this week. <laughs> oh, Billy Bob's son? No, no, no. He's the most insane one. He's like the Fabian of the group, I guess, but like without all the obnoxious money, like he's just a dick. Um, no, um, Miles O'Neill, Shaquille O'Neal's son. Oh, okay. He Why was my favorite. He was really funny, and I could relate to him, and he was like terrified of birds, so I'm here for that. Um, but yeah, he's like, he was like, this is too hard. I'm out. And he also called his manager. That is a theme with this show. So no matter what iteration, people love to fucking call their business managers and lawyers. Okay. okay. Fascinating. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm still watching. All right. Well, good on you. Um, so the only house cleaning that I have is just the hoedown lowdown and it's finally here. I've been forced by order of the show. <laughs> it is time to learn more about one Fabian Basabe. I am excited. So this is a lot. There are some pieces of evidence. There are some articles. And I I will say when I just rough Googled him, like when we started recording this show, I was like, oh, okay, he's kind of come full circle and he's doing nicer things now. I think I'm going to strike that from the record. And <laughs> that's not the case. And he's just a more grown up asshole. Interesting, because my only knowledge is through his Twitter when I had to follow him for a Twitter account. And it did make it seem like he had done a pretty big Mother Teresa-esque 180, which I find very hard to believe. Yeah, we'll we'll see how you feel about it. Um, Okay, so Fabian was born on May 30th, 1978. Um, As we know, his father is Fabian Basabe Sr., Um, And according to Fabian, our Fabian Jr., his father came from a wealthy family in Ecuador and made his money through um, telecom, restaurants, and real estate. Okay. Um, But I also found out that his father has been not like federally investigated, but like there's been some business dealings of companies like suing him for things. And like, I'm sure that's a thing that happens in business amongst rich people, but there's a lot of that going on um, with his dad and his dad once owned, I don't know if this hotel is still there or whether he just sold it, but for a while he owned the Boulevard hotel in Miami. Oh, Oh yeah. That's a big deal. Or what's okay. a big deal. Is it still there? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I should have looked it up while you're talking. Yeah, I should have looked that up and I did not. Um, He doesn't own it anymore. So I don't know whether the, what the circumstances were there. I wonder if, um, I wonder if like one of the big like hotel chains bought it up. I feel like that's what usually happens. Okay, guys, I can't spell. So you're just going to have to deal with me. The Boulevard Hotel, Miami Beach. (laughs) No way I can fucking spell Boulevard at the top of my head. Um, <laughs> it is still there. It is a, whoa, this can't be right. It's listed as a two-star hotel. I thought the Boulevard was like a nice, fancy hotel in South Beach. Um. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Ugh. Yeah, well, no, it... I mean, the food, 
looks good. Well, I don't know. Put this put this a few decades ago, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it would have been like hot shit in well, actually booking.com oh, booking.com only gave it 5.3 out of 10 stars. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he owned a big property in South Beach. That's about 2. it. 2.1 on Expedia. Yeah, this is this is not the look. I don't think Fabian <laughs> there. <laughs> um, well, just so you know, Fabian bragged about it in an article with the Washington Post, our own Washington Post. Um, How long ago? 2005. Yeah, so maybe it was like- So a- there's Washington. a big profile of Fabian in the Washington Post right before this show came out, basically. Um, so that's where I got a lot of information. And then I got a lot of other information about his wrongdoings elsewhere. <laughs> Um, so Fabian, I learned later in my Googling, went to a number of prep schools in Florida and was dismissed from them for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, for a while he had an agent at Ford models. And in this article with the Washington post, he says that it's like, it was his goal with his agents and his managers to be a correspondent on a quote, access Hollywood like show. That tracks. Yeah. So he, you know, he, he wanted, wanted to, to be Billy Bush. Yeah. He wanted to be like an it boy on camera. Yeah. Um, so Fabian moved to New York city in 2000 after he was dismissed from Pepperdine, uh, in his senior year because he was busted for buying a paper on the internet. That again, tracks. Yes, of course. Um, so when he got to New York, he decided that he would get a job. And this is all you can read about this. It's great. So he got hired at Morgan Stanley. He basically just called the operator and said, like, can you direct me to the nearest Morgan Stanley? He walked in and like asked to speak to a manager and just like talked their ear off and somehow got a job out of it. So they created a job for him at Morgan Stanley where his job was to hobnob and just to bring in wealthy people's money into Morgan Stanley. And so I can see where Fabian would be pretty good at that. But yeah. also, th- also this job came with the task of running occasional errands. <laughs> and Oh, I can't see that going over very well. So the errands didn't suit him. And Morgan Stanley often had their lower level employees deliver financial documents by hand, as one does. That's a security thing you know, finance is not the only field that does that. So Fabian would have his personal assistant deliver the documents in his stead. And so in this interview, he goes on and on about how he doesn't have time to sit in the back of a cab and go all the way downtown and how his personal assistant can just like hop on a bike and get it done much faster while Fabian's at lunch. (laughs) All of this tracks. All of this tracks. Um, so he says that his job was eliminated because of downsizing. Fine. Sure. Okay. I'm sure cutting the hobnobbing out of the budget. Fine. I can fine. Also, Um, I would imagine that Morgan Stanley would be mortified that the chain of command was broken. I believe his financial papers are probably supposed to go directly from Morgan Stanley to the person they're for and not through a middleman. Correct. So I unapproved middleman. Yeah. I, I think Fabian would say he was downsized. I think Morgan Stanley would probably say he was fired for fired. yeah security reasons. Um, so Fabian was also in the e-network documentary Young, Rich, and Famous in 2003. Um, sounds like we need to watch that. I he, feel like I, I mean, it was such a long, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago. I think yeah. I definitely did. But yeah, every watch would be a maze. Um, 
He was also in a show on TLC back when it was the learning channel um, called Faking It. And so I think it was like a reverse simple life where he was teaching a girl from Nebraska, like how to be a New York City girl. I think I watched this. Yes. Very familiar. Yes. And he goes on and on about how she failed. Like he didn't fail in teaching her. She was just a lost cause and like a a trash can. (laughs) Well, it's really hard to suddenly become a super entitled rich person. (laughs) Yeah. Like it takes some practice. You don't just get it overnight. Right. Um, So then in 2004, Fabian came into a little bit more fame because he was famously photographed with Barbara Bush. Um, and I feel like I vaguely remember reading about that because politicians, kids were like the next big thing. Like everybody was getting all excited about the Bush sisters and blah, blah, blah. Um, and oddly enough, they were photographed together, like kind of like bumping and grinding a little bit at, um, the after party of a Jennifer, Jennifer Nicholson show. Interesting. I know. So this is another Hills moment for us. Um, And so Fabian says that he was picked apart by the press and even his family was upset about it because they were like, who is this guy? And so they started digging into who he was. Um, And so this is where they found out about his multiple prep schools and his suspended suspended driver's license. Um, And so he retreated to Melbourne for a while. Wait, he has a suspended driver's license as well? At the time he did. DUI? Um, Not yet. (laughs) I don't know why that, I don't know why it was suspended at the time in 2004. Um, Well, he has a thing for speeding. I I can relate. Yeah. Um, So also in this article with the Washington Post, bringing it back to another show we covered, he goes to a big charity dinner with Operation Smile in 2005. And I was like, NYC prep. I wonder what year was NYC prep again? It wasn't 2005. It was later. It was later, but not that much later. But it's the same like annual event, like the thousand plate dinner or whatever. I thought it was funny. That's funny. Yeah. So in 2005, so just a year after all this Barbara Bush mess, um, Fabian married his wife. They're still married today. Martina Borgo Monero. I don't, you know, put an Italian accent on that. Um, And she is the heiress to La Perla lingerie. Holy shitballs. They got some money. Yeah. So actually Fabian flashing money around. She's got more than him. She has to. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Um, But they are still married today. So in 2006, he was arrested for drunk driving and running a red light. (laughs) Later that year, he sued a New York City nightclub for $2 million because he wasn't allowed in and called the doorman a sand N-word. Oh, that tracks. Yep. Please tell me he did not win this lawsuit. Um, I actually didn't follow through on that. I meant to, but then the hits just keep on coming. So, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so in 2007, he wrecked several cars. Um, he was quoted as saying he thinks it was two BMWs in one weekend and told ABC News that he would just get a new one, quote, because I can. Sure. Um, yeah. So... Then eventually he moved from New York to Miami around like 2009. So I think New York was tired of him (laughs) and he moved to Miami um, and he and his wife had a son in 2009 or 2010 named Brando. Bring it all the way back to Robert Blake, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's all coming full circle in this one. So 
in 2019, so fast forward a bit, I think he mellowed when he had a son. It He has said that having a kid made him want to like clean himself up or whatever. Can we at uh, least do a quick aside that yes. Brando Basabi is the worst name ever? It's not great. Does not roll off the tongue. <laughs> no. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, so in 2019, the New York Post reported that Fabian called a famous Miami publicist, Teo Otiti, the N-word, during an event at Art Basel. Um, she had to deny him entry because of capacity and he did not take kindly to that. So he called the like museum owner and like threw a fit and eventually got in and they had an exchange on their way out. Um, and I just wanted to read this because <laughs> after what we see in this episode, I just wanted you to be aware of it. Okay. So it says, after Basabe called the museum honcho who escorted him in, he wound up, quote, pissing off a bunch of people inside. OTT claims when he's leaving, he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, peasant, whore, bitch at me. And then when he got 50 yards away, he screamed, fuck you and word bitch. That all tracks. Yes. So then, but Basabe, who strongly denies using the N word, fired back, quote, there aren't two sides to this. There is fact, he told us. He said a museum board member got him past the line into the party. To avoid drama, I called my friend. I was dancing with everybody, the waitresses, the bartenders. I don't mean to be full of myself, but people genuinely love me. Basabe admits he dissed OTT on his way out, but insisted there was no argument whatsoever. In passing, I said, nice try, peasant. I 100% said it and will apologize for it, but she's using the N-word and whore to rally support. It is deeply upsetting and not true for her to use these trigger words, he said, adding that he has famous friends of color. I just had in my home Cuba Gooding Jr. praying with my kid. I just had George Foreman in my home just this past week. It's truly unfair. And then he hit her with a cease and desist. Um, first of all, Cuba Gooding Jr. is incredibly problematic in his own right. Yes. And do we think that it was George Foreman the third? It didn't say the third. But yeah. So after the behavior that we see from Fabian in this episode, that's all I'm saying. I don't know. I know you guys can't see me. I'm making faces and waving my hands, but it's not great. Yeah, I don't think he's grown at all. Right. So then I'm going to close things out with what Frank and I thought was sort of like his come to grace a little bit. In July of 2021, so just last year, he ran for Miami Beach commissioner and like had a big campaign and was like touting family values and being a changed man and all that kind of stuff. He contributed $100,000 to his own campaign. (laughs) Okay. So he had the most money out of all the people he was running against, but it's because he was self-funded. So he didn't actually do much campaigning for money. Well, and the stuff that I saw on the on Twitter when to follow it not only made it seem like he was trying to be a family man, but also like a like a champion of the little people. So he is he he identifies as a pro-Trump Republican. Well, that's and, not surprising at all. Right. And I thought that too, because he talks about like small businesses and things like that. But then he goes on to basically say that Miami beach has become a shithole where everyone's allowed and he doesn't like it kind of. Oh, that tracks more. I like, I feel like there's something that I had read specifically had said something about maids or I I don't know, like that he was really going to court the blue collar working class. No, no, no. He's basically upset that 
Miami Beach is more diverse economically and racially. He doesn't like it. And he's a big supporter of funding police causes even more and said that he wanted a, quote, return to law and order. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then also he's Latin. What the fuck is he talking about? His dad's an immigrant. Yeah, I know. And not a diplomat, by the way, because there would be no DUIs. There would be none of this shit if he was a diplomat. So you are not a fucking diplomat, dude. Correct. So he gives this nice interview announcing, well, nice in air quotes, interview about announcing this race in July of last year. And he said, I think I found my purpose, my purpose, if given the chance. Like he was very excited about it, right? And I think that's why Frank and I got excited. (laughs) So then in September of last year, so, you know, three months later, not even, um, he was disqualified from the race. No. Due to his voter registration address. So he had originally filed to run um, there. I didn't quite understand it and I don't care enough to really dig into it, but there were different groups to run for Miami Beach commissioner seats. So he originally filed to run in group one, which had four candidates. And then he switched to group two because it only had one opponent. Oh, okay. So like they say that it's not geographically based, but I think because I I don't know, he, he messed up basically with his address and changing groups. And so then in November, um, later in December, September, Jesus, sorry, later in September, a judge ruled that he would not be on the ballot come November 2nd. So his campaign was very short-lived. Very short-lived. I I don't understand why super wealthy people want to run for office. Like it doesn't pay well. It's a thankless job. It's really annoying. A lot of people don't like it. Like why? Like what's he going to get out of it? A fancy title, status. It's status in a way they don't have. So they want more of it. I guess. Well, and this kind of goes into, um, I was going to talk about this later. We talked about the show, but I truly believe that Fabian is incredibly jealous of Alexander because Alexander has a title. Yes, 100%. And is truly a diplomat. Like, yeah. truly has diplomatic community. I think he's very jealous of Alexander. Right. Well, and when you think about it, too, someone like Fabian constantly advertises his own pull, his own weight. Like, yeah. his his big thing is that he can make any problem go away, right? But when it comes to, like, city problems or politics, like, money can only get you so far. So if he wants to change things about this postcard way of living that he's made out in his mind is the best way for Miami beach to be. So he's like, Oh, I get, I'm going to become a politician now. Um, but last thing to wrap it up because he hasn't done much obviously since he was disqualified from this race, um, in an interview after he was disqualified, he said, it's not only an attack on me, but an attack on our democracy. Ugh, he's yep. so gross. Yep. He's so gross. I, I really hope the last profile that I do is like someone who's nice and evolved. Um, and this is a rough Fabian episode. So this is, this is going to be the tone. I, um, it makes me embarrassed for myself <clears throat> because in my twenties, and he obviously has taken it much further than me. I was kind of the king of, um, do you know who I am when I would go to the clubs? <laughs> yeah, but that's... <laughs> No, no. What he's doing is so far beyond. Yeah. No, I mean, I was never that bad, but my friend, my my friend Vicky used to put me on the list of this club that doesn't exist in DC anymore, um, but would purposely tell the door people to at first say that I wasn't on the list (laughs) and that I didn't know who I was just so I would have a fit because she thought it was so funny. And then they would be like, okay, no, we actually know who you are. You can come in. I could see that. Um, 
I mean, also the sound bites that come out of his mouth in this episode. And I realized this was a long time ago. And when we watch high society, or even when I watch old episodes of like real housewives and stuff, there are some moments that will really take you back. But these were, these were bad, bad, really bad. Yeah. So that's that. I did it. I finally, (laughs) I finally faced it. On some level that he's still a monster. Like I was very surprised by what I thought was his turnaround to becoming a man of the people. So I, I it actually is a little comforting to yeah. know that he's still a trash person. Yes. I also want your hot take. Did you see his campaign photos? I think I saw one of them when I first followed them. I kind of want to know what he did to his face. Oh, I'll have to go back and look. I, it, I can't tell whether he's just kind of aging a little differently or whether he did do something to it. It's just a little, like, it's a question mark for me. I couldn't. I'll have to go back and look. Well, he definitely, um, and I'll just send this to you now. I was going to send it to you later and maybe you could put the pictures on our Instagram. Um, He's all, did you find a lot of pictures of him when you were doing research? Like current pictures? No, not really. Um, Because I guarantee you that he is bald now or had hair replacement surgery. Maybe that's why it looks weird. Yeah, let me show you because I screenshot, I'm sending to you right now, um, pictures of his head when they were sitting around the campfire and he is like very much going bald in the crown of his head. Um, Oh, that. So he may have had like hair restoration surgery. Maybe that's what it is. Like his hairline looks so like perfected like I wondered if he had a facelift like it's just very strange he probably had both did they come through yeah oh yeah yeah he's like that's that's not hair like he's interesting but he, a lot of hair in the crown. he looks like he has thick hair other otherwise well because that's what happens when you have thick hair it starts you gets really thin at the crown and then you have this like fryer tuck halo thing going on oh no yeah. So I was watching it. I was like, oh, I need to see pictures of now. I, I guarantee you he's had hair replacement surgery or something. Okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can find one. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're on this journey, we might as well. Um, but I, I, um, I, and I'm assuming that they only have the one child. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they're raising another monster because there's no way that an only child being raised by Fabian Basabe is not going to grow up to be the Antichrist. Yeah. And also, so they, this child, they said that they had their son shortly after moving to Miami. So in like 2010, but then his campaign photos, this kid looks like five. So yeah. Maybe, I was going to say the picture I saw, it was him and yeah. the wife, and the kid, like all sitting together and the kid looked young. Yeah. I, I think, I think the kid is young. I think that article got it wrong. Uh Oh, he looks, he looks kind of weird, right? Filler. I think it's filler. Yeah. Like he almost looks like someone in the nineties. Like his cheeks look a little funny. I don't know. It's very, yeah. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely some kind of filler or something. Or too much Botox. Like his face looks a little puffy. And, well, yeah. I mean, too, like he's smiling, but his eyebrows are actually low <laughs> yeah. for someone who's smiling. So yeah, it probably is too much Botox as well. But yeah, that kid's like three or four. I know. I so don't this know. This picture has to be from like 2000. Or it's no. it's from 2020, apparently. So maybe they did have another kid. 
Maybe. Maybe this is this does. There's no way that can be Brando because that I mean Brando would be 12. <laughs> you know what source I didn't check <laughs> was his campaign website. Oh, well, yeah. something that, for another day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, who cares? I got the good stuff. No one cares about his stance on police. Um, no. All right. So episode six, Steamboat 911. Yes. And I didn't pick up on the title until just now. It's coming back to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Um, so where we left off in the last episode is that everyone is shocked by the disappearance of Fabian and George. Um, and let's not forget that like the whole group is still mildly suffering the consequences of the first disappearance. Yeah. So like tensions are still running a little bit high with those people who didn't escape from camp. Um, and so then Noah tells them that Fabian also took the bear spray with him. And, and all so, he was left with was a whistle. Yeah. And Brittany doesn't believe it. And she thinks they're hiding somewhere. Someone says, look at Noah's face. He's not kidding. Um, even Courtney says like, what is the point? Like, don't be here if you don't want to be here. And Alexander is the most pissed. He's like, I don't, I don't think this is cool at all. Like they just did this. Um, and it turns out it's a joke and they are hiding just like a couple hundred feet away for 10 minutes for 10 minutes. Yeah. I wish all of this had gone a different way. I really wish they had all talked massive shit about Fabian, like just massive shit that he had to hear and that it traumatized him and he came out yelling. Like that would have been amazing. Um, Now, what is your take on all of this? Because I, I do feel that Alexander's reaction was unwarranted. Because Alexander gets very upset. He's very upset about the whole thing. And he's like, doesn't think it's funny at all. And whatever. I think if I was in that situation, I would have been like, oh my God, you guys are so stupid. But like not have gotten as upset. But also I wonder if it's just part of a reaction of Fabian like fucking off and being a monster for the past like two weeks and Alexander just having had it. Yes, I think that's what it is. I will say, so Alexander being pissed when he thinks they're still missing, that I totally get. Because they already fucked off once and the group is still oh, paying for it. 100%. I totally get that. When they come back, though, I mean, Alexander was still mad, but it also just wasn't funny. Like, I would have been with you. Like, you guys are so dumb. Like, that's not funny. Um, yeah. I think he's just fed up with Fabian's shit. I also wrote in my notes said, I'm Alexander will never trust anyone again. I know. <laughs> like, he really is just like, all oh, my trust issues. I don't, this is not okay. I was like, oh, he is shooketh. Like, well, <laughs> and then like, I think with someone like Alexander, what I identify with is like, when he's pissed, just leave him. Just let him be pissed. He's going to let it go if you just leave him alone. Whereas like Fabian keeps jabbing at him. Yeah. He's like, you don't need to be such a baby, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like egging him on. And it's like, let him let it go in his own time. You know, and Fabian's just like his only speed is asshole. A hundred percent. What cracks me up is that it seems to be happening with some of the contestants in the show and with some of the, it sounds like in his outside life in, with the thing you just read, I don't understand how people fall victim to his charms. Cause I don't think he has any, like, I don't me find either. him charming at all. Me so either. who are these people that are like being snow? I mean, like Haley, Courtney, like they seem really into whatever the fuck he's selling. And I don't get it. Cause he's just a dick and a monster. 
Like it's, what is the feeling? I get it later. Like when Haley says it, I kind of get it. It's because they're all as spoiled as him. And he's the one throwing the fit and getting them these like extras that they've deemed essential. I get it a little bit later, but me, it's totally lost on me. If Avian yeah, like I breathed know. in my direction, I would know it was wrong. I can't. But they, I mean, we'll see, I guess we'll see it more next week, but they, I think it's split basically into two groups, like team Fabian and team everybody else. I don't understand how anyone, I mean, like he's a gross monster. I know. Like it's insane to me that George is friends with him. Like what the fuck? Like George is a nice down to earth, cool guy. And you want to be friends with this monster. Also, they're all doing, he's the only dude that isn't constantly praised for helping them out. Yeah. Like for real, it's so strange. Um, anyway, so the next day we are at Deerfoot camp. It's day 14 wake up call. They've got five minutes to get going. So it's Alex Quinn who tells the trail bosses about the joke, right? Yes. Okay. And then Alexander is still mad about it. Um, and he says that he regrets like trusting his friends. So I think that's also what it is, is that I think Alexander is he's kind of like George. He's trying to be helpful and trying to do the job. And he feels like Fabian's just there to mess it all up. Well, and do you think also maybe part of it was that he was just hurt that he wasn't in on the joke? Like, do you think that if he had been the Noah in the situation that he would have gone along with it and thought it was funny? Um, I'm actually, I'm going to pin it a little bit on British humor too. Like, I just don't think he thinks it's funny. Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, it wasn't funny. Yeah. Like, I think if they had said like, oh, Alexander, you sit by this fire, we're going to pretend to disappear. He'd be like, no, that's going to be hurtful. Like he probably wouldn't have done it. I think he's also too nice. But I would agree with that. Yeah. So then this is where we get a little background on Alexander and that he's from Devon and he's, his father is Lord Clifford. Um, and traditionally they, that would mean he's in the house of Lords, but parliament is different now. And so now it's just a, a title, but we get his brief little flashback flashback and he's like playing croquet with his dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. At, at a house that like looks like Downton Abbey, by the way, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so Someone says that it does not constitute a good cowboy attitude. And I don't know who said that. The prank. It was probably I'm Joshua. Probably Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Fabian's like sitting by the fire. And I was shocked that Fabian is pounding this food. Like he's going at breakfast, like it's going out of style. And I'm shocked that it meets his standards or that he didn't have comments to make about it. Oh, I'm not because even in the mid aughts you still didn't have to work out like working out wasn't as much of a thing so like i guarantee you that he is just like a scrawny like he probably doesn't eat that much he's not used to doing any work so this is a lot of labor it's a lot of walking he's probably starving all the time okay i mean i he probably has servants carry him from room to room in his house when he's home so at the time sure all of this horseback riding and hard work was making him famished that's probably true. I don't um, see him going to Barry's boot camp. Right. Um, and this is where we learned that for this day, there are going to be no cattle captains. It's just going to be a big team effort, um, which is how they should have been doing it all along. Um, and they give them their phones back and they say that it's been four days. Yeah. Since they have their phones. Is that true? Yeah. 
It was day 10? I think so, yeah. Okay. That's a long time. That would be annoying. Yeah. Well, this is where I'm going to get very, like, Zabruder tapes about this whole fucking phone thing. (laughs) Okay. So, they give them back their phones. The first thing Fabian does, allegedly, is to call a pizza place and order five pizzas. Four thin crust cheese pizzas and one thin crust, I believe, with everything. Five pizzas altogether. Um, first of all, I don't know how the fuck we're supposed to believe that they're getting pizzas delivered in the middle of a field. Good luck with that. Like, I am the fucking king of food delivery apps. Even I couldn't manage to make that happen. And this is, it's all a lie. Every yeah. single bit of it is a lie. Because he makes his phone call before the day happens. Then they get back at the end of the day. Dom shows up with 11 pizzas none of them fucking thin crust and he tips him extra because he made it in 30 minutes or less yep so fuck you e for that he wasn't even on the phone no that was all fake all of it was fucking fake that whole phone call was fucking fake yep um and so their activity for cowboy school today is that they're going to work with topographical maps Um, and they're going to be looking for, like, they're going to break up into four groups and they're looking for their prizes, which are the ingredients to make a cowboy comet, which is a cocktail with Canadian club, Southern comfort, lemon and Coca-Cola. Disgusting. Yeah. That sounds rough. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, and so the, you should um, see if your husband can put them on the restaurant menu. That should be the, that should be the special for February. Right. Right. And so then the cattle bosses say, like, as soon as you get all the ingredients back here, we can start enjoying the the cocktails, which honestly, like, that's one of the more motivating things they've probably done out there. And as opposed to skinning and eating snake, I would rather go searching for booze, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and honestly, it's, I mean, in the annals of stuff you have to do, like, it's kind of a fun team building exercise. I mean, like, this is something you do, like, on a corporate retreat. Like, let's do, like, yes. a I mean, for team and, building. Like, and this is actually, like, using a topographical map is actually useful information, not for these people, but just in general. And like, this is the sort of cowboy school thing they should have been doing. Like they yeah. need, they need a reward on the other end. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, um, they give out the maps, like the four teams get different maps to the various ingredients and people don't even know cardinal directions. And <laughs> is it Fabian that says we're not stupid people? Yes, it is Fabian. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So George thinks it's kind of stupid. Haley can't read a map. And did she say that one time she ended up in like San Diego when she was trying to get to Hollywood? Malibu. <laughs> Malibu. Yeah. yeah. I Now, I can't make fun of any of these people. I also cannot read a map to save my life. Thank God for Google Maps. And in my life, two times, I've done something similar. One time, my best friend and I were going to visit her sister in college, her sister went to JMU, which is in Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania. I still may be getting this wrong. We accidentally drove to Harrisburg. Uh, I know it's in Harrisonburg, Virginia. We actually drove to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Drove entirely to the wrong state north, had to turn around and then drive. It took us like nine hours and it should only take like four or five. Then another time I was in Florida doing wedding hair. Um, and the wedding was in Tampa. I was staying in Tampa. I drove to St. Pete. Okay. Yeah. Literally like halfway across the bridge was like, this doesn't seem right. So I'm with Haley. 
I'm with Haley on this. I'm terrible at maps too. Mm. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm a map whiz, but I'm not, I'm not like that. Um, so the teams are also interesting in this exercise. So George and Noah find the Canadian club in how many minutes? Like 25. It was quick. It was yep. like less than a half an hour. Right. And then Alex Quinn and Shanana get the SoCo in like 40 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Brittany follows right after Brittany and Alexander find, is it limes or I thought originally they said lemons, but then they say they found limes. Doesn't matter. Some kind of dumb citrus fruit. Right. They find, <laughs> they find the citrus also they in under, garnish. yeah. Um, in under an hour or very close to, and then Fabian, Courtney and Haley cannot find the Coca-Cola and Fabian immediately starts throwing a fit and says that it's not his navigation. It's the map. Of course. It's all the map's fault. Yep. And so when he was asking, he was like, how can we do this without a compass and this and that? One of the things he listed was a ruler. Is that the reason I don't know how to read a map? Why the fuck would you need a ruler for a map? So a ruler on a map equals a mile bullshit. You can't do it with your fucking fingers. Like every map I've had, they do have the little like thing on the bottom that shows you an inch. Yeah. Like you wouldn't need a ruler for that. No. Also, how far are you going? It wasn't even a mile. No. It was probably a quarter mile. Probably. All right. Um, so the funny thing is, is that Courtney and Haley are just doing nothing. They're basically just like standing at the bottom of a hill watching Fabian look. And Fabian's throwing a fit and blaming the map. And you can see how close he is to this Coca-Cola. There are so many shots of like the, <laughs> the bucket in the foreground and Fabian just throwing a little bitch fit like in the background like within 10 feet yes. or less. Yeah. Many times, many, so many times they cut to a commercial and they come back and they're still looking for the Coca-Cola. And we learned that it has been three hours. Um, well, they gave us a lot of updates. So first there was an update at two and a half hours. Yeah. That was when the whole ruler thing happened. Then there was a three hour update and then we get a three and a half hour update when Joshua steps in. But one of my favorite things about this in Courtney's confessional, she was wearing a shrug and I was very here for it. Oh God. I used to love mine. It was black and gold. Uh, hers was white knit. Yep. Um, so this is Fabian also says, in addition to rulers, they should have had compasses and walkie talkies walkie talkies like they can't hear each other out there oh my god so then they almost bail like they decide that they're over it and they don't even care about this and when they finally joshua is actually very nice when he helps them yes he manages you can tell he's biting his tongue with fabian because fabian comes in with an attitude and joshua's like i promise man it's up there like you you were real close you know like he just (laughs) he basically has to tell him where it is um and then they find the bucket of Coke and the girls say all of this for Coke and it's not even diet. And, and super warm, probably. Probably. Well. Boiling um, hot, regular Coke. So then Fabian is still so mad about this entire exercise. And as they're coming down from the hill with the bucket of Coke, he says, what people find sick pleasure in this. I'll never feel sorry for people less fortunate. And I loved that that was like captioned. Because if I was his opponent in his briefly campaign, I would have screenshot that and made it all of my posters. Like yeah, all of my campaign posters would just be a screenshot of that with the words on it. So then he, they talk about like, he's just so bitter. He said, I can't wait to go shopping. I'm going to buy everything I want. And that's his takeaway from this exercise. 
I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't understand how that all adds up after just being bad with a map, but. Well, I think it adds up because he is an insecure baby man and can't admit that he couldn't do it. So he's frustrated that he couldn't and wants to blame it on everything else. And now he's just lashing out at poor people. Yep. Um, so then they get back to camp four hours after they left. Yes. And he says it was so easy. We just wanted to check out the sites. He's such a dick. He's such a dick. So this is where Frank is going to lose his mind because Domino shows up like right after they come back to camp. Yeah. No fucking sense. No sense whatsoever. And then they said that he paid, what was it? That he paid like a 50 for the pizza and then tipped the guy $200, which I mean, great. I'll give him credit for that. But with cash, like it looked like he gave him cash. Like they he did give cash. him cash. He did give him cash. And I zoomed in on it. He did not give him a $200 tip. He gave him a $100 tip. Oh, so maybe what Joshua was saying was that he spent $200 total. I, Cause it was Joshua that said it, it wasn't Fabian. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was a hundred for the tip and like 150 for the pizza. I don't, yeah. But still, I'm like, I am I supposed to believe the producers didn't give him that money? Like that he's on this mountain with hundreds of dollars of cash in his pocket? I don't buy that for a minute either. I don't know. And because rich people don't pay in cash. They do fucking not. They use credit cards for everything. I used to have to deal with this. I had some rich friends when I was younger, very wealthy friends. And it sucked because we would go to places, a lot of gay bars back in the day, <clears throat> didn't take um, credit cards because they did, people didn't want to be traced. They, you know, it was when it was still not cool to be gay and like people didn't want to be outed. So they all took cash. Anytime I would go to a gay bar with these fucking rich friends of mine, I ended up having to pay because they didn't have cash. They never had fucking cash ever. Yeah. Um, and Fabian's just like so proud of himself. It's very gross. And Haley goes on and on about like, this is why Fabian's the best. So I'm like, what? Well, what I'm, the reason that I get it right. Is that they think this is all so hard, right? Like sleeping in a tent and searching for a bucket of Coke is like one of the hardest things that they've ever done. (laughs) And so to arrive back at camp and to have this dickhead buy pizza for everybody, like that Haley sees him as like this weird guardian angel now because he made it slightly better for them. Well, and also I thought you were all rich, fancy motherfuckers and you're like creaming in your jeans over dominoes. I know. Probably cold dominoes, like gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so Joshua says in his confessional, you can take your money and shove it. And I feel like that should actually be the episode title, but. (laughs) That would have been a good episode title. Yeah. so this is where we learn that Joshua um, and the other ranch hands, they decide that they're going to leave the cattle crew at 530 in the morning um, and they're going to give them a baptism by fire and they're going to just leave them topographical maps and they're going to get to the next site by themselves. This is also where Joshua says something that made me fall off the couch. And I can't remember if he was referring to himself or to them, but he talks about people being made to look like yahoos. <laughs> I know what a yahoo is. I do not know what a yahoo is. No. Is that like a colloquial thing that's like common to sh- Colorado? Like I've never heard yahoo in my life. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I also enjoyed 
this final scene at camp after pizza night, presumably, although it kind of looked like different footage. I should have checked their clothes. Um, Jared shows up to camp with like an old timey ice cream maker, like one that you would bring on a cattle drive, I suppose. Um, and Brittany immediately says like, that's going to take forever. And Jared looks so disheartened and says, like, he looks at her so sincerely and he said, that's so ungrateful. Like he clearly hauled this like heavy fucking thing out of nowhere to like make them ice cream. And she shits on it immediately. And then I am kind of team Brittany in this instance, because it does take forever. And I would rather just not have ice cream. It does. But where Brittany loses me, and I don't know, I should have watched it twice, but I just thought Jared looked hurt. Like he was clearly like excited about it. So I had an ounce of sympathy for him. And she asks why there isn't haagen And so then people step up to try it and they like take turns making this ice cream. And I'm pretty sure that Brittany dove right in and ate it with them. Oh, they all ate it. So that yeah. was the issue. And so yeah. well, here, here's the multi-tiered problem. Yeah. Number one, Br- if they were, if, if Jared was the one who was going to be making the ice cream, then Brittany is a bitch, but that wasn't the case. He just lugged the thing up and then they were supposed to do all the cranking themselves. So I, that's where I'm coming from. Like, I would just be like, oh, I'd rather not have ice cream than to spend an hour cranking the stupid thing. Um, but then the only people that do the cranking are Alex and George and the, and Jared and, and, um, what's his face? say like oh here we go again like the same two people are doing all the work and like everyone's benefiting and it's not fair but in that instance like that's on the two people doing all the work like they're if they're okay with everyone else eating the ice cream that they made i don't think jared should have a problem with it because that's on alex and george like if they didn't want to give it to ever like personally if it was me and i'd crank that fucking ice cream i'd be like you're not getting a drop i mean this whole goddamn me too me too also, like, I don't know, when you're dividing up a task like that amongst eight people, it won't take forever. Like, everybody give it 10 cranks. Go. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> like they're they're just such assholes, all of them. And then Courtney is on the phone at camp. And, like, I get it. She just got her phone back. But she's one of those people who's just on the phone going about her business in front of everybody, which just really annoys the crap out of me. So she's like throwing elbows to get into this fucking ice cream container while on the phone. And you like, she's got her elbow up and like, she's scraping this thing. Cause she w- yeah. clearly wants ice cream, but she won't get off the phone. Also it was fucking vanilla. They need to calm down. Yeah. And chocolate ice cream. And then but yeah, cor- it was, she was literally talking about them on yes. the phone yes. like, and then getting mad when they were getting mad that she was talking about them. She was holding her flip phone while digging for ice cream and saying, everyone's really annoying me right now. When literally everyone's right behind her. Yeah. Li- next to her. Like yes. inches from her. Yes. Um, so then the next morning it's day 15 and the trail bosses sneak off at five 30 in the morning and they hang a map off of each tent like their front door or whatever. I think it was just the boys tent. No, there were more when they zoomed out. There were like four than one. Okay. I only saw the one. There were like four maps. Okay. Um, And they said, we're going to hang it right here. So they don't miss it. LOL. Um, So the first person to wake up, I think is Haley or Alex. They wake up at 10. Normally, you know, moving, moving the cattle starts at eight 30. Um, so it includes a note. And so Alex and Haley wake everybody up. Um, and they say, you need to be ready in an hour and a half, 
what, when you're in the middle of nowhere in a canvas tent, why does it take you 90 minutes to get ready? Well, they have to charge up their generators for their flat irons and blow dryers. They have to do their makeup. Cause there was at one point where Brittany was I, like later on. She's sitting at like a vanity. That definitely yeah. had like a mirror propped up like a vanity, like you were saying. So, I mean, I think that they just take for fucking ever. They have to eat, they have to smoke cigarettes. They have to have coffee. Okay. Um, so everybody's kind of nervous about the fact that the trail bosses aren't there and they say that it's a recipe for disaster, but Fabian said he's looking forward to peace and quiet and he thinks they're very capable. Um, my two big takeaways for this was one, and I've noticed it all along and I'm just now mentioning it now. I don't understand Alex's dollar bill hat. No, me either. It's really annoying. Small hat that has a folded dollar bill in the, in the top that like is the size of a credit card, I would say. Um, so you can just see like the George Washington, but like, is that a flex? Like, I would think it would be like a hundred dollar, but like, why would you put a dollar in your hat? Like it, it seems like you can take it in and out. Like the whole thing, I don't, I don't get it at all. Um, and I was definitely having a little fun nostalgia with all of the popped collars. Yes. I was very into that. I myself had a couple shirts that had pop collars that actually said stuff in the popped part. <laughs> I was very into that look. Pop collars always remind me of my friend one year for Halloween. She, she went to a bar in DuPont circle with just like a sticker on and said, hello, my name is Georgetown. And she wore like three or four polos all with their collar popped. So she had this like preppy queen of queen Elizabeth vibe going on. And she had pearls on and just like all this preppy stuff. It was very funny. I thought it was funny. Nice. Um, so what is interesting about this is that the team does a good job. <laughs> it does. And I'm going to have to eat my words now. Cause in my notes, I wrote Alexander thinks it will be fine. And he's delusional. Cause he says, he's like, Oh, I think we'll be great. We know we're done. I'm like, there's no way. And they actually do just fine. Yes. However, I do think it's because, so the trail bosses are watching from afar and the team is doing a good job. Well, what can I we talk about that though? Can we fucking talk about that for a minute? So the boss is watching. Yeah, they were, I don't know, maybe 300 feet away at best on the top of a hill, very in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think this whole, like they've left us, we don't know where they are is bullshit. Like it is there's bullshit. no way they didn't see them. There's no way they couldn't see them. Not no. to mention the fact that they're also on the top of a hill, 300 feet away with a camera crew. Yeah. Um, I would also say that it's almost like below deck where they have crew members that we clearly don't see. So of those three, those three trail brasses were not participating for the day. There's no way they drove those cattle by themselves. No, no. because those yeah. cattle are worth a lot of money. And if yes. I mean, there's no way they would be like, Oh, we're going to put hundreds of thousands of dollars in jeopardy with these spoiled rich kids. Whatevs. Right. But the reason that I think they did better, to be honest, one, it was that they weren't getting yelled at all the time. But two, I think it's because the trail bosses were not constantly trying to get everyone involved, like Courtney, Courtney, and Haley. So it let the five people who do stuff just do it. Which I thought was shocking to me that one of those people was Brittany. I know. Like well, I, I thought she's not a- would be out there being like, I'm going to do it. But Brittany was the one that like had her own set of cattle and was, I mean, she went a little rogue, but. She's good on a horse though. Like she kind of yeah. tries, um, but that's why they did better is that like the useless people, they were just like, Letting they were not trying to, yeah, they weren't trying to force them to do it. So they actually do make it to camp with the cattle. 
Um, and Alex, Sleepy Han. Yeah, Alex Quinn actually did a really good job too. Yeah, like oh, leading yeah. everybody. Um, and he had George be in charge of the map. So like they just divided labor really well and left half the team out of it. That's why they did better. <laughs> um, so they made it ahead of schedule according to them, but they left three hours late. So I don't know how that's possible. Well, um, no, they only made it early according to Fabian. Right. They were two hours and 45 minutes late, but Fabian was claiming that they were early. Right. And so Joshua does compliment them when they arrive at camp. He said like, you know, we are watching all day and you did a really good job working as a team. Like the first thing out of his mouth is that they did a good job. And then Fabian lies his face off. Beyond lies his face off. I don't even remember what he said. I didn't write it down. Oh, I do. I don't, didn't even have to write it. Well, I watched it this morning. Um, so he says that they got up right on time. That- oh, yeah. <laughs> had breakfast at 7 30 that they like got half the stuff done before lunch um and here they are like two hours early ready to get like everything done yes that's right so he is a he is like you know one of my nephews so like doesn't know how to lie and therefore does it huge to the point of oh god um okay well they they did make it there and they did do a good job but all of that was false um so courtney Courtney, sorry, asks um, Jared if he could help her fix her cowboy hat. So I guess like it's gotten sweaty or crumpled in a closet and she wants it to be able to wear it. And so he says like, oh, you just like reshaped. Yeah, she wants it reshaped and you just have to dunk it in hot water. Which I never knew. No, me either. Not Um, that I've ever had a cowboy hat. So Jared gets a bucket of hot water and like kind of helps reshape her hat. And when he goes to get the water and comes back, Fabian is sitting in his seat. And Jared, I don't want to say threatens, but teases, I guess, that he's going to throw the bucket of water on Fabian if he doesn't get a seat back. Yes. Because Fabian, of course, has refused to move. Like, he's just not going to do it. Right. So then do you want to talk about this? Because <laughs> um, I don't know if I can handle sure. more. Yeah, I don't know sure. if I can handle more Fabian right now. I definitely can. So um, Fabian is a sociopath. And Jared <laughs> says, like, you know, if you don't get up, I'm going to throw water on you. Fabian is like, that's assault. That's assault. That You're going to throw boiling hot water on. But first of all, it's not fucking boiling hot. Like, he put his hand there. There's just steam coming off it, whatever. Yep. Um, like, that's assault. That's assault. I'm calling the police. So he calls 911. Um, and I am a little shocked that he didn't get in trouble with the police for calling 911 because I can't believe the 911 operator wasn't like, Hey motherfucker, like we don't, someone's going to throw a bucket of water on you. Pete, we're out. Well, he he didn't say that. No, he did. I thought he said someone was threatening assault or something like that. I don't think he He said said it was a bucket with a bucket of water. (laughs) He says assault. And he goes, well, no, now he's backing off. He's backing off a little bit, but like, can you, can you get the GPS on my phone? Can you make a track on my phone? So I, you know where I am. So you can come get me. First of all, you can tell Domino's how to find you, but you can't tell 911. I'm sure Domino's wasn't tracking your cell phone. You stupid motherfucker. So then he, he's like, oh, he's backing off. He's backing off. But I want you to make a full report, make a full report of this because I may have to call you back. I may have to call you back if he does it again insane it's insanity and as i am someone personally in my own life who fucking loves to call 911 i love i called 911 on new year's eve i fucking love it so i because my um they were having a giant party in the courtyard and i had covid so i couldn't go out and yell at them in person so i called 911 but um 
because that's just kind of the Karen I am sometimes. But I, um, this was egregious and insane. And and he would get in trouble. I mean, you can't call 911 with false bullshit. Like it is a crime. You can't do that. So he would have gotten in trouble for that. And then it devolves into surrealism because then he starts calling Jared a puss. Yeah. Not a pussy, but a puss, which that word gets bantied about a lot for then backing off and not throwing the water on him. Yeah. Like it's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. And then Jared said, like, Jared looks dumbfounded by this, by the way. And like, was he trying to rouse Fabian? Yes. But I also think he was like, in his weird cowboy ranch hand kind of way, he was like trying to pal around with Fabian for once, right? And Fabian yeah. takes it to this whole new direction. And Jared, he looks like he did with the ice cream bucket. Like he was like, he looks deflated. And he's like, really? You're calling 911 over a bucket of water? Like, and then he, they start calling each other pussy. And he's like, you're, yeah. And he's like, you're the one who called 911 over water. Like, and Jared well, says, and Maria it, says that at one point. Yeah. When he's doing it, she's like, you're going to call 911 over a bucket of water? Yeah. And so then it's like, well, it takes one to know one, pussy boy. And like, blah, like, just it's really messy. And Jared says in his confessional, he said, like, you know, I'm a representative of my grandfather's ranch and like all these things that Fabian says about like his influence and money. Like, I don't, I don't want to mess anything up. Like, but he looks so confused by the whole thing. I actually felt really bad for him. I'm really sad that Alex or Alexander didn't grab the bucket from Jared and throw it on him. Well, Alexander tries to step in and says like, Alexander, or he says, Fabian, by calling 911, you're blocking someone who's in need from calling 911. And Fabian just like, now he has a problem with Alexander too, because Alexander's a decent human being. Like that was, that's totally true. That is what you're yeah, doing. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing is just like really painful to watch. And so no one gets covered in water. The 911 call ends, but like the mood is just obviously bad. Well, and Fabian in true, I'm a racist, I'm sure homophobic, problematic monster person, um, also makes like a gay joke and says to um, Jared, um, do you know, oh, he's, he said, you know how much of a puss you are? And um, there's like 50 um, rough men in prison that I'm sure would think you're really pretty. Oh, I didn't like, hear that. that. He's like going to go get raped in prison by a bunch of gay guys who can't control themselves. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Really gross. Right, it's not a joke. Yeah. Um, so then it's evaluation time and the ranch hands, they do talk about how the team did really well when they were on their own. Um, oh, wait, they... I have a quick aside really fast. Yeah. Yeah. When all this was happening and this kind of goes to your point about like, there are probably a million people behind the scenes we're not seeing. Yeah. Um, there were six teepees in the background. I saw that like enough for one person. So yeah, there are definitely a lot of other people like around. There are actual ranch hands driving these cattle. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but so they say that the red team was really disappointing because when they played their joke, they technically abandoned their bear watch, which is true. Yeah. Um, and they say that Fabian is the rotten apple in the bushel. And when we say attitude, we mean Fabian. They're not yeah. wrong. They're not wrong. Um, and 
So they say that when they come back to the teams, they do compliment them again on their drive. And then they say like, you know, you did fail bell bear watch and like, you may laugh it off, but others won't. Right. Like the prank didn't go over well for everybody. And then <laughs> tensions are still high with Fabian and he asks Fabian not to laugh. And so the black crew wins and they get the carryover money. So they got $10,000 for their charity. Yeah. So then Fabian throws yet another fit in this episode. And he says that it's not fair and that their extracurricular activities on their downtime don't count. So like playing a prank when they're not on, on driving cattle duty doesn't count. And Josh was like, well, you were on bear watch. And so then he says like, he's been attacked personally and like just on and on and on. And he will not let this go. Like they have to pick a winner. Someone has to lose. It's a premise of the show. And it's just like, it's getting very heated. And Fabian eventually points his finger at Joshua and says, do not yell at me person. Like, what the fuck does that mean? And So the black team wins and they get baths and then the red crew has to pick up firewood and groom horses in the morning. So then Fabian's fit transitions to wanting to know who ratted him out to the trail bosses about the prank, because he thinks that that's the only reason he lost. It's not about his constant attitude or the pizza or the 911 call or, you know, it's just about that. And it, they say that Alexander went to them, but Alex Quinn is the one who let it slip. I think they both did. Okay. I believe they actually both did. Okay. Because Fabian starts going in on Alexander yet again. And I was like, but I thought Alex was the one that told them. Well, and my head almost exploded because he completely unironically says to Alexander that he is self-righteous. Yes. Meanwhile, Fabian is the most self-righteous person possibly ever born. So talk about not being able to see yourself. He also is like throwing a fit over not losing money, over losing money for charity, by the way. It's not even like he just lost money. And he tells Alexander, you over-dramatize things. (laughs) It's insane. Like, I mean, the level of self-delusion is insane. It's real bad. Can you imagine growing up with that much wealth and privilege and still thinking that the entire world is unfair to you and out to get you like the fuck dude. Like he has everything he could ever possibly want, but like constantly is claiming that the whole world is unfair. Yeah. But what's also really gross is do you know how many incredibly rich people do think that probably? I know it's, it is gross because well, they've, ne- they've never known anything else. Like they just like, it's so, it's so gross. I can't, I can't talk about my feelings about the incredibly wealthy because that'll turn into another podcast. (laughs) Um, So then next time it looks like Fabian's goal is to now divide the group in half. Yes. I think we're going to get team Fabian and team everybody else. And we get what looks like a very drunken and possibly dangerous fire pit experience. Um, And I would also like to add that Fabian's feelings towards Alexander come out in the preview as well. And he looks at Alexander and says, do you think we give a fuck about your world? No. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think Alexander has more pull in the United Kingdom than Fabian does in the United States. A hundred percent. I would think that Alexander has more pull in the United States than Fabian has in the United States. 
maybe i mean he's a royal he's a british royal we'll have to see we will have to see but it was that's a sorry this is not a very uplifting episode it was (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys now that you've been with us for over an hour it was a little it was a lot of Fabian. We knew it was it coming. Was a lot of Fabian. Um, but we will be back in two weeks with the pen ultimate episode. Woohoo! Which is exciting. Um, so we hope you guys are staying safe and healthy. And that those are you like it's this is the weekend of the blizzard. So those of you who are in the northeast, I hope you're staying warm and safe. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at FranklyMareB at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>